Welcome to the Happiness Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Kara Payton, and this is your resource for becoming the happiest person you know. This show dives deep into the heart of life's biggest matters. You can expect to hear from the names you know, sharing a raw look into their souls from their realest moments with God to their biggest heartbreaks in love and greatest lessons in life. If you're new here, subscribe or follow and share with a friend. You never know what message they truly needed to hear. And if you've been around for a while, welcome home. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get to the show. Hello, hello, and welcome. I am here with a beautiful author and speaker, motivational speaker about bipolar wellness. And I'm so excited to get into this topic because I feel like this is such a such a, an important subject in the face of the pandemic in 2020 with people going deeper and deeper into mental and emotional wellness. Michael Rose, thank you so much for being here with me today. More than welcome. Happy to be here. So talk to me about this book. Like how long ago? I have just now discovered your work, but I, I understand that this is this book has been going on for a while. This was a long time ago. It, it's almost four, it's four years. Four and years. Um, it's it's been very well received. Thousands of copies have sold, and I have about twenty five hundred people on my email list that get an ebook from me and get updates and little tips and articles. And I have uh, dozens of people around the world that I've been coaching to go through my program, which is a way to treat bipolar illness or bipolar disorder with um, natural substances and with positive holistic actions. Which is the almost the antithesis of what I would say Western and traditional medicine treats bipolar disorder with these days. Is that correct? Right. And, and about 50% of the people who have the disorder quit taking the medications they're prescribed because they're very uncomfortable with them or have side effects. And the other 50%, if it controls the illness, uh, which it can do, uh, are generally not happy. Uh, I, I like to create happy campers with the illness. I'm a happy camper and I have the illness. And uh, you can be very productive if you know how to treat uh, the illness naturally and you know how to do the right things with your lifestyle. So let's cover the elephant in the room. This seems very unconventional and seem almost it seems almost rebellious to everything that I guess the general public is taught about bipolar disorder. Well, it's true. I mean, I, one of my favorite bump, bumper stickers is I, I tried to contain myself, but I escaped. Um, I, I've gone through the system of, of being treated for bipolar illness starting when I was 19, believe it or not, when they didn't even know what it was really. And I spent a year in a psych hospital. I've had shock treatments. I've had lithium till my uh, thyroid basically gave out. Uh, I, I've been through the ropes and I know how people suffer with the illness. And I just persisted. And Luckily, because I have training as a master's level psychologist and, and as a licensed nutritionist, I, I figured out and cracked the code for the nutritional treatment. And, and it so turns out, parallel to what I found out, there's a, a group at the University of Cincinnati Department of Psychiatry that also works with the same substances and they've given me some nice endorsements in my book. Wow. So this can, this can just be done naturally. And we are now, would you say that the way that we were treating it is doing more harm than good? Or is it kind of just depending on a different, you know, different variations of the disorder? 
Well, I'm a little more conservative than you might guess. First thing, I wouldn't say it does more harm than good. First thing, untreated bipolar has a 30% risk of suicide. It's very high. A lot of the suicide people blame on depression uh, really have to do with people who have been manic and got themselves so far out on a branch and then became depressed and realized there was no way to really crawl back. So... Uh, and I have three relatives. Uh, uh, my bipolar is genetic. I have uh, a cousin from my generation. I have an uncle and I have a great uncle, all who committed suicide due to bipolar. So this is a serious illness. So if it has to be controlled with medication, it has to be. And I can't tell you 100% that you can replace all medication with natural things. But the research at the University of Cincinnati shows that you can reduce a person's medication. You can reduce the number because some people are taking five or six different medications and they're never happy campers. And other people are on very high dosages of a few medications. And so the research shows you can reduce both the amount and the dose of the medications. I still take a very small amount of psychiatric medications. Uh, I don't need any mood stabilizers, but I need a little bit of antidepressant and I use a little few things for sleep. So we're not at a stage where we know enough yet to do it all naturally, but we're getting close. Do you foresee a future where we would have enough research and have enough studies about what causes this and how to correct it, even genetically? Yes. Well, the problem is that the money for research when it comes to natural substances is low because if you if you invent a drug like Prozac or Zyprexa and you patent it, you can make it for a penny and sell it for $3. But nutritional substances are market-based by demand and supply. So, you know, vitamin C, you can't, mar you can't buy it for a penny and sell it for $3. You can only buy it for a penny and sell it for $0.06. Cents. And so there's, there's a limit to the amount of profit that nutritional substances will generate. And so that there's a, there, there is a lack of good research. And, and so, a, you know, most of the doctors will say, well, show me the good double blind studies. You know, I, I asked, I asked my friends at the university of Cincinnati, how much would it cost to do a really good study on this? Oh, you know, at least a million dollars. And, you know, I plan to raise it at some point, but you know, it's a big project. Now let's back up to bipolar disorder itself, because I feel like the word, I mean, even we're even overdiagnosing, you know, our friends and our exes and we're, we're throwing around this word. What does it actually, from your expert standpoint, what does it actually mean? It means a person has mood swings of such a intensity that their life is disturbed. Okay. And there are several varieties of bipolar. Bipolar one is the classic, most dramatic. It's the kind that I have where a person, when they're really hyper, gets really psychotic. Like I was, first time I was put in the hospital, I was standing on someone's back porch waiting for flying saucers. So I was delusional. Uh, there are people with bipolar two who do not get delusional. They don't get that manic, but they have a lot of swings from high to low and they also have a lot of time in the middle where they're co a combination of, of mania and depression called dysphoria, where they're very irritable and angry and touchy, et cetera. And um, there's other people that are schizoaffective that are that are have mood swings, but they tend towards schizophrenic kinds of experiences. And 
Uh, and then there's people that are very interesting to me are, are hypomanic. They're below the the line you would call them, you know, really mentally challenged or whatever you want to call it. But they, they do have a lot of energy. They can be very productive, but they can also be wild and crazy. And their lives can be very chaotic and they do get depressed at times. And so all of these things can be treated with natural substances. And um, but the most problematic is people that end up hospitalized with their bipolar disorder. Do you have any suspicions on if you were to be given the research funding fully, do you have any theories or suspicions on what you would find if you were given just unlimited funding to ask your questions and what would that research even look like? Well, we know, we know some things without getting the funding. For instance, we know that in Japan, they have half the incidence of bipolar illness. We also know their diet is very high in fish. And so a lot of the substances we use are derived from fish. By the way, fish oil doesn't work in and of itself. It, it, there's all sorts of things derived from fish oil that do work and they're hard to find. And um, you have to know what you're doing to, to find them in the testament. And unfortunately, there's something called bio, biochemical individuality. And it means that you can give one person aspirin and they'll have a certain reaction. They might feel better and less pain. Another person will break out in hives. And so it's the same thing with nutrients. The only difference between nutrients and drugs is you're unlikely to have a life-threatening reaction with a nutrient. You might have a reaction, but it's not life-threatening. Whereas you could certainly have a reaction if, uh, excuse me for just a minute, I have to get that running out. Um, so I, I think that, um, the research funding I would have would be the natural substances that I'm able to use now that seem to have effect, but they're not, they don't affect everybody the same way. But I'd like to find out why certain things work better than uh, others and, um, and why certain things work for some people and not for others. And mm -hmm. that's the kind of research I would do if I had, if I ran the zoo, I would do that. <laughs> if I ran the zoo. Um, so that's very interesting that you said that about Japan. Your suspicion re revolves around their their diet. Where is it? Where is bipolar disorder highest? Boy, I, I don't know. I don't know that. I would suspect that it's in in countries that have a lot of junk food, mm -hmm. because we do know. If, I'm really not known. It should be known, but the original research on nutrition from the '30s shows that a high junk food diet affects the children and the children's children in progression. And so people are more susceptible. Like when I was a, when I was a child in the 50s, I don't remember having autistic kids or kids with hyper, uh, hyper, hyper hyperactive disorder or, you know, I, I never, never remembered any of that. But it, it's gotten worse. There's a lot more of it now. And there's a lot more bipolar, I think, than and other illnesses because people are more vulnerable because of, of a poor, poor, poor lifestyle and, and poor diet. Is that your main suspicion on what causes this thing to have grown or it causes it? I think in it's have grown, but, but, but first thing, things like bipolar are pretty consistent in the population over time. There's about 1% of the population will have some form of bipolar. Whether I think, I think if, if it's getting worse, it's, it's because 
again, people are more vulnerable to the to the this triggers this 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 biochemical triggers in the brain. And I think, for instance, marijuana is is a big trigger. Um, opiums are are a big trigger. So people are also using these these substances more, and so the, the there more people are getting triggered. Plus all the junk food. So do you have anything in your, you know, in your beliefs or opinions about what we're doing now that is fairly unconventional, just things that you think that if we were to adopt different measures of treatment prevention or even just the education that we provide to the, the public, do you think that we could see, you know, in a perfect world, you have the ability to go, okay, this is what we know. This is what I, I theorize about as far as moving forward to not necessarily treat fully, you know, what's going on now, but to take the trend and, and dive it downward. What would you suggest? Like if we were to take bipolar disorder and just make the numbers drop over, say, the next hundred years, what would that what would that look like? What would we need to do? I mean, what would we have to do to make that happen? As a population, if we could just like blanket everybody with, right, arm them with these tools. Well, you know, look, we, we've got this. It's a typical war going on that there are a subset of people who are very interested in healthy lifestyles. We we know, and the articles coming out constantly, that if you exercise regularly, and uh, on a, on a, and a level of exertion. You're going to lower your chances of getting metastatic cancer by 75%. And heart disease, all these factors will go down. Now, how many people exercise? Well, a lot of people exercise. But there's a lot of obese people who don't exercise, probably far greater majority. The same thing. How many people don't go to McDonald's or wherever and and eat a, a, a meal that's basically not very nutritious compared to people who will look for fresh alternatives and so on. They're there. And so it's getting bigger. I think what's happening is society is growing this population, um, you know, but it's going to take time. Maybe over a hundred years, it, it will be the majority. And I would hope so. Well, so talk to us about your book. What, um, what, are, what are we talking about in this book? It's called Bipolar Wellness. And it's a 20 step program to get to what I call um, the midpolar zone. In other words, uh, I have a graph that I created that that a person that's very, very hyper, very depressed, the the poles, the, the poles get very big and take up the space down towards the equator. But when you get healthier and you work on a program of wellness, you grow the middle zone from the equator expands and you get very small polar areas. And so it's not just nutrition, it, it's exercise, it's um, uh, diet, uh, there's things about uh, spirituality and creativity, um, it's about communication to your, uh, communication to your um, to your family and, and how to get them to give you feedback. It's about creating charts for yourself so you know where you are on the scale of being hyper and depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, a, it's a really comprehensive book. It, it, um, it covers all bases and, it's a use, and it has useful worksheets and I actually published a whole separate workbook for people who want to write out their answers and so on. Very cool. 
Is there anybody that this book, this practice would not apply to? Is there any suspicion about how many people are actually without the ability to go about this naturally? A percentage of sorts. Well, there are people, A, if they're, if they're dealing with their bipolar by being in denial, uh, there's many people who don't want to deal with it, don't want to accept it. And that's someone I can't work with, really. And, and, and unfortunately, they, they put themselves at risk. And there's actually uh, uh, a, a, a psychiatric disorder they call uh, anosognosia, which a person just can't see it. It's not just about psychiatric illness. A person can have a stroke and be paralyzed on one side, and they can't, they can't perceive that they're paralyzed on one side. So there are people with the illness that cannot perceive that they have a problem. And so that's very hard to work with. And then there's some people, um, you know, who who's are just not stabilizing their medication enough. I, in other words, I, I can't take somebody on a lower medication if they're not even stable there to begin with. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of it's, it's not it's an art. I, I wish I could I wish I could just tell everybody take this and take this many milligrams and you'll be fine. And I, I, I the more I treat people. The, the less I find it's possible to give a, a, a blanket treatment to everybody. So well, I need to, I need to create more of me's. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say to somebody at home that's maybe listening to this and go, I have, you know, maybe suspicions or I've been told, or, you know, I do have extreme mood swings. What is bipolar and what is not bipolar that is commonly you know thrown well, into that I don't case. know if you can if you can put out my my email address actually my email address for my book is bipolarwellnessbook at gmail.com and if they'll write me I'll send them the first three chapters and there's in the first three chapters an evaluation where you can evaluate whether you have the problem or not. Well and so these types of questions are something that's more of a self-introspection as far as yeah, well, there, there's classic questions like, you know, do you have, uh, do you have thoughts of suicide? Do you have, uh, are you, uh, do you get to where you're very talkative and, and talk over people? You know, the, the classic symptoms is asking, do you have these behaviors? And a person usually knows if they have them or not. And then you just add them up and it says, well, there's a good chance that you should be evaluated. Well. Wow. So how did you end up coming into your own journey with it? And, you know, talk to me about going in and then kind of going out of okay. the traditional treatment. I, I just want to ask you, you had said you wanted to end at 1145 and now it's 1150. So I just want to. Oh, I have 1050. We're in a different time zone. Say what? We're in a different time zone. Oh, 1050. But it's 1050 now, isn't it? It's 1050 for me. It, does that does that mean you need to end or no 11 11:30 11:45 oh oh that late oh i understand because i was uh, i don't have that much time by the way i oh, okay. i planned something else so is that okay with you Absolutely. i need to leave in about 5 minutes okay so how did i come about this well when i was 19 i didn't know my father had been sent home from world war 2 in a manic state and um they didn't talk about it much it was kind of a shameful thing etc cetera, etc cetera. and um in the 60s, uh, I started using marijuana and, and, and opiated hashish and so on. I didn't know that I had the, the, the genes and the sensitivity of these things. And I became pretty crazy. And at that time, they didn't know much about bipolar disorder. So I was labeled paranoid schizophrenic. 
and put in a hospital for almost a year. And when I got out, I, I wanted to I wanted to get better. And as slowly as sure, I went through the classic treatment for probably for 10 or 15 years or more, you know. And then as a nutritionist, I started reading about people using fish oils for depression. And I tried them and they didn't work. So then knowing enough that I could keep doing research, I found out there wasn't fish oil, but derivatives of fish oils that could work for bipolar. While fish oils might work for depression, that's somewhat questionable, uh, not for bipolar. So uh, I sort of, uh, and my psychiatrist supported me and they saw that I was recovering. And um, so finally, um, a cousin of mine became very ill. And as I started writing him long letters and, and that's what evolved into the book. Unfortunately, he ended up by stating, I uh, made a statement, no one knows more than bipolar about bipolar illness in the whole world than Michael Rose, except me. And he ended up not taking his medicine. He ended up killing himself. So part of my, so my book on depression is, is dedicated to him. That's beautiful. Yeah. So you said you, it was something about a workshop that you have coming up. Talk about that. Well, I, I do. I do. Um, I have a free ebook that, again, if people write me, I'll send them the ebook and I'll send them chapters of my book as well. It tells my story of my illness and about how I recovered, shows some charts. Um, I'm planning, I'm planning on the, the individual coaching. I'm going to try to do a workshop where I can have many people and tell them the whole overall view of how they can be their own nutritionist and give them the many choices and the ways to keep track of their working. But I haven't set it up yet. I do plan to do a workshop. And, uh, but it, it, right now what I'm doing is individual coaching people. I give them free interviews and tell them if I think I can help or not. And then I arrange to meet with them on the phone basically and, uh, and coach them. Beautiful. And how can they reach you? Uh, well, I am, um, my my email address is uh, uh, my my book is at bipolarwellnessbook.com. Okay, all one word bipolarwellnessbook.com, and you can reach me through there, or you can email me directly, which is bipolar bipolarwellnessbook at gmail.com. Beautiful. And uh, I respond to everything. Um, usually it takes me a day or so, but I am very responsive. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. That was thank a you. really it was a pleasure. And uh, I, I really appreciate your picking up on the worth of the book. And it's very kind of you to invite me, Cara. Absolutely. Have a beautiful rest of your day. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Now we want to hear from you. What stirred you, helped you, or lit you up with new inspiration? Drop me a line at carapayton.com and let me know. If you like this episode, share it with a friend. This might just be the thing they needed to hear. And thank you for joining me for another episode of the Happiness Habit Podcast. Until next time, keep moving. Your life starts when you allow your authentic self to shine through and the world needs that light in it.